And stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Isaiah chapter number 43. The book of Isaiah chapter number 43. We're going to read verse 18 and 19 this morning. Isaiah chapter number 43, beginning reading with verse number 18. The word of the Lord says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for an incredible journey thus far these past uh, eight years. Father, Lord, we're believing you, Lord, that the best is in the future, the best is yet to come. God, let your anointing be upon us today as we minister, Lord, let us hear the word of the Lord. Father, let us be reminded, let us, uh, Lord, be uh, thankful, and let us be excited about what you have for us, Father. In the name of Jesus and for the glory of the Lord, all of the Lord's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, as you've already heard, today marks eight years that my wife and I have been lead pastors at New Bethel. Now, not once have I drawn attention to our anniversary in any of the previous years. I do so today because I felt led of the Holy Spirit to do so. And I'm going to tell you why I believe the Holy Spirit picked out this year when we have not emphasized, we have not celebrated, we've not said a word uh, all of the past years on Anniversary Sunday. We've never said a word about it before. Why am I now saying something about it today? We'll talk about that At point number two this morning. I want to make a disclaimer this morning before I say the next little bit that I'm going to say. And that is that nothing I say today is intended to try and make myself look good this morning. Nothing that I say this morning, I'm not saying it trying to take credit for the success and the blessing uh, that New Bethel and the things that have happened and transpired and taken place these past eight years. I want to tell you that every single day, hardly a day goes by, but what I give God 100% of the credit and 100% of the glory for the incredible and unbelievable actual miracles that He has uh, transpired for us at New Bethel the last eight years. So what I have to say this morning is meant, it's meant for three things. It's meant to remind us of where we've come from. And I think that it is good that we are reminded every once in a while of where we have come from. There are people that have absolutely no clue about New Bethel eight years ago. There are others that have heard me talk about this several times, and you could say it better than I can say it this morning. And and you're a little bit weary of hearing about it and just wish, well, you know, I wish you'd just bypass that and go on to something else. But there are people here that have absolutely no clue uh, what New Bethel was eight years ago. And I think that it is important uh, that we spend a little bit of time and reminisce and remind ourselves of where we've come from. So we're going, I'm, what I say today is meant to remind us of where we have come from and then to rejoice in where we are. We need to take some time this morning and rejoice and give praise and give glory and give honor uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ for where we are today. And then also this morning to report to you about where we are going. So let's talk about these things for a few moments today on this eighth anniversary together. Three things I want to talk about this morning. First of all, I want to talk about the milestones. Let's talk a little bit about the milestones. We started this journey eight years ago uh, 
with a mountain on top of us. When my wife and I got here, we discovered a very wounded, a very hurt, a very disillusioned group of people. Bethel had lots and lots and lots of problems, both inward as well as outward. And most people didn't even have a clue. They had no idea the full extent of the situation and how dire and how drastic that it genuinely was. The finances were in trouble. Much more was going out than coming in, and it was getting progressively worse. There was a million-dollar debt on a property that had no building on it. Not only were we paying a million-dollar mortgage, we still had to pay $2,500 to $3,000 every single month for rent just to have a place to have church. Add to this the heartbroken and disillusioned people who were hurt because of the failure of a former pastor. Trust issues were low toward me and and my wife initially, and rightly so. Will this man disappoint us like the last one? And who is this gunslinger anyway? I found out I was a shock to your system. Who, who is this gunslinger anyway? Uh, he has come in here with a vengeance. Does he think that he's Wyatt Earp coming in to clean up the town? Somebody said, that preacher won't make it three months. Well, they're gone. I'm still here. The attendants bottomed out to 86. 86 people, no building, million dollar debt. That was eight years ago today. My wife and I jumped in with both feet. I I immediately asked the church to begin to pray for two specific things. I said, we've got to have two specific things. We've we've got, God, God has to send us a builder and a banker. The two B's. The problem was that we didn't have enough money to build with and bankers would laugh when you go in and say, we need to borrow more money so we can build a building. And they would laugh and they will say, you are not even making it now. You are, you, you, you're upside down now. You're not making it now and you want us to loan you more? But as the church prayed, I began making drastic cuts in the budget. I moved us immediately in just the first couple of months. I I moved us from Ashworth Elementary where we were paying $2,500 to $3,000 a month. I moved us to Burton Academy where we only had to pay $400 to $500 a month. That freed up about $2,500 a month right there. My salary was 40% less than the previous pastors. It was less than a half of my salary as pastor uh, in my former church. I combined two positions with two separate salaries. I combined those two positions into one position and my wife did both jobs for 20% of the past salaries for those positions. That lady over there is something, isn't she? I slashed money from the copiers and from the phone system. I cut this, I cut that, I cut the other. In a few short months, we were in the black. We didn't have very much, but all of a sudden we were cash flowing. One day, a banker walked into my office, unannounced. 
And he said, I want to be your banker. And I laughed. And not only was he our banker, but he's one of our members now. Thank you, Lindsay. Long story short, he went to bat for us. Later I told him, after it was all done, I said, Mr. Banker, you gave me a loan I wouldn't have given us. One day I met a builder. And at the... All the other builders wanted $100 a square foot to build a building. He built us this building for $65 a square foot. How many believe it it pays to pray? Talk about the milestones right now. On January the 9th, 2005, we held our first service in this building. And I'm going to tell you that it was nothing less than a miracle. That's the good news. The bad news was if we didn't grow, we were in trouble. We immediately began to grow. And God began to send us some wonderful and incredible people. And we immediately began to grow. Only nine months later, we started having two services on Sunday morning. It was marginal. I thought, I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not doing this too soon. I, I hope I'm not messing up here. But, but one, one mistake, one of the many mistakes is we make them alone. But one of the biggest mistakes I make, made in Midland is I, I lost the big mo. I lost the big mo. I lost momentum. And I said, I'm not going to ever do that again and so when we hit that 200 mark one Sunday boom we went into two services asking people we divided this church right down the middle 100 in one service and 100 in the second service and and, and we continued to grow Our low was 86. It's not unusual for us today to have 386 on a good Sunday. In 2006, we built an addition to the church. We built four large classrooms. We built a youth and children's facility. We built a pavilion, a garage, a basketball and volleyball courts. In September of 2006, our church mothered another church. LifeGate Church in Burleson. We gave them monthly support. We purchased sound equipment for them. Every single Saturday night for nine months, several of us attended their services. There was more of us than there was of them. Today, LifeGate stands on its own. Their attendance is on Sunday morning is around 200. They had 260 last Sunday morning. They are a vibrant, exciting, missions-minded church. In September 2008, we took on another new church to support Relevant Church in Louisville. Today, that church is fully self-supporting and growing. In January of 2010, one of our long-term staff pastors took on the challenge of a very small and struggling church in Fort Worth. We adopted them. We supported them monthly for over a year. Four of our families went with them to help them. And this very day, today, they will dedicate a facility that they have relocated to that is three times larger than their old facility. Hear me this morning. Yes. 
The fingerprints of New Bethel can be found all over these three churches that we have helped establish or breathe life into. These are just some of the milestones of the past eight years. All past records have been broken the last eight years. Attendance records, tithing offering records, missions giving records. Missions has grown from a dismal low month of $350 eight years ago today to an average of about 12000 Did you hear me? From $350 the first month to $12,000 a month. And that amount will probably and possibly go to $20,000 a month this year. Oh, you missed a good one to shout on. That's the one I want you to shout on. Come on. We've sent people from our church to Mexico, Belize, the Philippines, New York City, Las Vegas. In July of this year, we have 14 people going to Nicaragua. My wife and I have been asked to go to Africa. We've been asked to go to Moldova. We've been asked to go to South Africa. Presently, we, were, we, are, cel- we are supporting uh, uh, 80 missionaries around the world. Consistently, we support special projects like purchasing Bibles, materials, and vehicles for missionaries. Consistently, we give to relief efforts after tsunami and hurricanes. We're building churches and Bible schools. Hear me this morning, friend. The fingerprints of New Bethel can be found all over the world. I'm talking about the milestones of New Bethel the last eight years. I don't have time to talk about all the people that have been saved, all of the people that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of the people that have been healed. I don't have time this morning to talk about the scores of people that have come to us wounded and hurt and disillusioned by other pastors and churches. Our own youth pastor came in that situation and that shape himself. Amen. And the Lord has helped us to pour in the oil and the wine into the wounds of those that are hurting. Amen. And heal them. The marriages that have been restored, the hope that has been resurrected in people who had lost their hope, the list goes on and on and on. And hear me this morning to God be the glory, great things that He has done. Give the Lord a shout of praise for all He's done. This being our anniversary, I thought it only fitting to talk about but a few of the milestones of the past eight years. Let's talk about what I really want to talk about this morning, and that is the meaning. Let's talk about the meaning. The reason why I believe that God called my attention to our anniversary this year, when we have never called attention to it before, we never said anything after year one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven. Never said a word about it. Nobody even understood it, recognized it. Nothing was said, nothing, no hoopla, nothing, it wasn't even mentioned. I believe the reason why that God called my attention to our anniversary this year, when we had never paid any attention to it in the past, is because of the meaning of the number eight. How many understand numbers have great significance? In the Bible. The number one, for instance, means unity. The number six is the number of man or the number of imperfection. Number seven means perfection. What is the meaning of the number eight in Scripture? The meaning of the number eight in Scripture is are you ready? I don't think you're ready. I said the meaning of the number eight in Scripture, are you ready? 
The meaning of the number eight in Scripture. Are you ready this morning? The meaning is the first of a new series. The first of a new series. The beginning of a new era. The beginning of a new order. The number eight means new beginnings. These past years have been a season. And I will be honest with you and tell you it was a very difficult season in the beginning. Filled with much anxiety, much difficulty, insecurity, and a whole lot of hard work. I never worked so hard in my life. You had Bethel Christian School for how many years? 40 years? How many? 35 years? And we got to clean it up. 35 years worth. (laughs) Work. And I dare not call a lot of help because anybody want to hold on to this and that and something else. We didn't have room for anything. So it was a handful of people and mostly me and my wife. Never worked so hard in all my life. Trying to find a builder, trying to find a banker, trying to squeeze 20,000 square feet into 12. But as the season progressed, it got better and better and better and better. Today marks the beginning of a new season, a season of new beginnings. Last year, God spoke to my heart and declared 2010 a year for change, and it definitely was. But as I look back upon it now, and in light of what I understand the number eight means, I can see God's hand. I can see the leading of the Lord. I can see that God was getting us ready for what was ahead. He was preparing us. He said, this is a year of change. He was getting us ready and getting us prepared for a new beginning, a new era, a new season in the life of New Bethel Church. Let's look at the number eight in the Bible for just a moment this morning. When God destroyed the earth in a flood, He placed eight people in the ark. How many? Eight people in the ark. Why? Significant. These eight people would step out of the ark after the flood into a new era or a new season for man. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Circumcision was to be performed on the eighth Day. Which day? The eighth day. Why? Because it was the foreshadowing of the circumcision of the heart. Or a new era. Or a new season. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. The transfiguration took place on the eighth day. Which day? The eighth day. This was the beginning of the glory of the Lord that would be revealed. Elijah performed eight miracles. How many? Elisha asked for a double portion. How many miracles did he perform? Sixteen. Eight times two. These examples along with others reveal the meaning of the number eight in Scripture. Let's talk just a little bit this morning about new beginnings. First of all, this morning, new beginnings require that we do two things. If we're going to have a new beginning, if we're going to experience a new season... There are two things that we must do. Number one, we must forget the past. In order to have a new season, in order for us to have a new beginning, we must forget the past. Remember our text? Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. 
Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, This one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind me. If we're going to have a new beginning, it is imperative that we forget the past. You see, in order to get to where we want to go, we must be willing to move from where we are. I said in order for us to, be, to, to get to where we are going, we must be willing to move from where we are. Progress must be... Progress means that we must move from where that we are. To forget the past means to forget all of the past. It means to forget the good, the bad, and the ugly. Too many people want to sit around and reminisce about the good old days. And then there are other people that want to sit around and bemoan how bad things were. Here's what I've discovered. The good old days were not nearly as good as we remember them. And the bad times were not nearly as bad as we remember. But whether we're sitting around reminiscing about the good old days or sitting around bemoaning how bad things were, either way we're still just sitting around. I'm a whole lot more excited about this than you guys are. New beginnings require that we forget the past. New beginnings also require that we forge ahead to the future. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 9, again, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Say a new thing. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing, and it's going to spring forth. Will you not know it? God said to the children of Israel, If you think the past was something, just wait until you see what I have planned for you in the future. I believe that God is saying to New Bethel this morning, if you thought that I worked miracles for you in the past season, if you thought the past season was something, if you thought the past season was great, uh, just wait until you see what I have planned for you in the beginning uh, of your new season. Every year, at the end of the year, I ask God for a word or for direction for the coming year. And every year I announce what that is. This year I didn't and people kept asking, what's the word, what's the word, what did you hear? They kept asking my wife because that's how they talked to me through her. I don't bite. I've never bitten anybody. What's the word, what's the word, what's the word? And I want to tell you I've been very, very reluctant, very, very reluctant to tell you the word that I felt in my heart and felt in my spirit. And first of all, I thought it was just because I was a little shell-shocked from the word I gave last year because it kind of, kind of got beat up a little bit over that one. I thought that was the reason. I thought that might be it. And I was a little bit cautious. And man, and even Pastor Steve would ask me sometimes, Pastor, when are you going to give that word? What is, can you give it to me? You know. Down, pup, down. <laughs> but I believe that I, I didn't give the word, not because I was shell-shocked over last year, because really, in all honesty, you know, I, if something bothers me, it usually bothers me for about two hours, and then I'm over it, and I'm on to something else. But I don't think that was it, and, and for what other reasons I, that it might be, but I, I believe it was simply because it wasn't time yet. It still wasn't time yet to reveal that word. It still wasn't time to talk about that word. And the word that God gave me for this year that I have been so reluctant to share is the word acceleration. Hallelujah. 
That's the word that I heard. I, I just hear a word from the Lord as I, as I get alone with Him and I pray and I talk and I ask God and I listen and He always just gives me, gives me a word and I don't always understand. Most of the time I don't understand what that word means. I don't mean, I don't know what it entails. I don't know what's going to, how God's going to use it. I just, that's all that the Lord gives me and then we bumble and stumble through it and then when we get done and we look back, we say, wow, that really was God back there. So I don't understand everything about the word acceleration this morning. I don't understand all that that, that, that entails and all that that's going, going to mean. All I know is that's what I heard in my spirit, the word acceleration. The word acceleration means to increase the speed of. Acceleration means to cause or, or occur sooner than expected. It means to progress more quickly. It means to move or act faster. What will this new season or new beginning look like? Well, I believe that it will be a time of acceleration. A time of acceleration. Think about this for a moment this morning. Just think about it. It's already happening. It's already taking place. Think about this this morning. In the midst of the recession, in the midst of bad economical times, and the last couple of years have been crazy. I mean, it's just weird. The people that are losing their jobs and people that are downsized and, 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 and all, and, and, and things that are, you know, benefits that are being taken away and salaries that are being reduced and, and people without all of this kind of stuff. In the midst of the recession, in our missions convention just a few short weeks ago, we saw our missions faith promises accelerate. Accelerate. Amen. The word is accelerate. And we saw our mission's faith promises accelerate to over double. They went from over double. I'm going to tell you something. Three years ago, money was flowing in here like crazy. I mean, it was unbelievable. We'd have our financial statement at the end of the month, and the deacons, we would just look at it, and we would just roll our eyes and go, Wow! Well, it's not like that now. It's not bad. It's still very, very good, but it's not like that. You know, how many know times aren't like they were three years ago? And if we would have done that three years ago when money was pouring in here like water, and it was unbelievable. Now, that's, you know, a relevant term compared to what we're used to. You know what I'm saying? Compared to what we were used to. So much better than we'd ever seen it ever in the history of our church. It was astounding. But no, no, they didn't double then. It didn't do that then. It didn't accelerate then. It was just an average year. A, 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 a good average year, but just an average year. But no, in the midst of the recession in, the, in our missions convention just a few short weeks ago, we saw our missions faith promises accelerate to over double what they have ever been. I believe as we move out on into this year and into the next couple of years, I don't think this is just the word for this year. I believe it's a word that's going to continue. And I believe that as we go on into this year and into the next couple of years, I believe we're going to see acceleration. We're going to see acceleration in attendance. I believe we're going to see acceleration in finances. We're going to see acceleration in facilities. We're going to see acceleration in ministry. I want to tell you this morning that this preacher is pumped. I want to tell you this morning that this preacher is excited. Amen about the future of New Bethel Church. 
I want to tell you this morning, it's not time to rest on our laurels. It's not time for us to look back and reminisce. It's not time for us to get comfortable and enjoy what we have. But it's time that we roll up our sleeves. Amen. It's time that we put the pedal to the metal and accelerate. It's time to forge ahead to the future. To enter this new season with much faith and with much expectancy. I'm telling you, great things are coming. Great things are coming. Amen. God has awesome and incredible things. Amen. Coming down the pike for New Bethel Church. Settle down. You've got to preach again here in a minute. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward. Say reaching forward. And reaching forward to those things that are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The number eight in Scripture means a new beginning. It means the first of a new season. God told us that last year change was coming. A year for change. I believe that was God's way of preparing us for our new season. The third and last thing I want to talk about this morning, I've got to hurry. Talk about the mission. What will the mission of New Bethel be in this, our new season? Well, let me tell you first of all that it will be much like the past few years, but in accelerated proportion. It will also be different in some areas because of a new process that will be implemented in the future. Now, what will be the same yet in accelerated proportion is missions. Missions, the great commission. The great commission, mission. God has called New Bethel to be a sending church. God hasn't called me here and He hasn't called us together just to come together and have church. He didn't call us together just to have a a time of worship and a time of fellowship and a time of gathering together, and we need to do that, and that's important. But that's not the only reason. There is a purpose for New Bethel Church. And part of that purpose is missions. It's, It's to fulfill the great commission. God is called New Bethel. We are called to be a sending Church, we will also go, but primarily we will send. We will join hands with missionaries and ministries that have great and incredible influence for the gospel all over the world. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus said, If you believe, these, if they hear and believe and are baptized, they'll be saved, but if they do not believe, they will be damned. The fingerprints of New Bethel will be found all over the world, at home and across the giant pond. Our fingerprints will be found on the junior high, high school, and college campuses. The fingerprints of New Bethel will be found on vehicles, will be found on computers, will be found on sound system. Amen. The fingerprints of New Bethel will be found on Bibles, millions of Bibles purchased. Amen. Bibles put in the hands of pastors that are pastoring churches that don't even have a Bible. 
And they will have a Bible in their own language. And it will be written by a, a Pentecostal Assemblies of God. Writer, the footnotes and the, and the commentary will be Pentecostal in persuasion. And we will put literally millions of Bibles in the hands of not only pastors, but also people all over the world that have never had a Bible before. We will... The fingerprints of New Bethel will be found on gospel literature. It will be found in every means and method, amen, of getting this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ out. You see, the first part of our first season that we have just came from, the first part of the first season, New Bethel was a mission itself. But as we enter this new season, New Bethel is strong. This, this new season finds New Bethel strong and healthy and equipped to be a force to be reckoned with. And I've just got one word to say and that is, look out devil! Amen, here we come! Can you imagine what God has done for us in eight years taking a literally bankrupt and disheartened church, amen, and turning it into a vibrant, growing, exciting church? But can you imagine now taking this growing, vibrant, exciting church, amen, with all the tools already in place? Can you imagine where we could be going? Amen. Now the mission of New Bethel that will be somewhat different. Will be in the area of ministry. You see, not only will New Bethel be about the Great Commission, but we will also be about the Great Commandment. In Matthew chapter 22, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 through 40. Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40 says that the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and they gathered together. And one of them that was a lawyer asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher or Master, what is the great commandment in the law? There's ten of them. Which one's the great one? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Jesus said this is the first and great commandment. Jesus said the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said something incredible. He said something awesome here. He said on these two commandments, there's ten of them, ten of them, but Jesus said on these two, and these two only hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus said, if you'll get these two commandments down and do these two commandments, the other eight will come natural. You won't have any problem with the other eight if you just get the first two of them right. So even though there were ten commandments, there only really needed to be two. Because if you really fulfill the two, you will also fulfill the ten. Jesus summed up ministry in two statements. Love God, love people. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. And he'll take care of everything else in between. 
We love God by worshiping Him. We love God by working for Him. We love people by caring for them. And most people understand this, but very few people actually do it. You see, the mentality of most churches is, let's hire professional clergy. Let's hire professional preachers to do all the work. And the more work that is required, the more preachers we will hire. And that's the mentality of most churches. Most churches. We got more to do. We need to hire more preachers. Well, that might be a logical plan. The problem is that's not God's plan. You say, well, pastor, what is God's plan? Well, thanks for asking. God's plan is for the full-time paid preachers, pastors, staff members to equip the church members to do the ministry. Pastors ought to be equippers. Members should do what the pastors have equipped them to do. Where'd you get that, pastor? Well, I've got a ministry manual that I look at every once in a while. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. Now these are the gifts. These are the what? These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. He gave buildings and sound systems and programs. and That's not the gifts. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher. And he goes on to say their responsibility. Say their responsibility. Whose responsibility? The apostle... The prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Their responsibility, Paul says, their responsibility is to do all the work of the ministry. No. Let's read what he said. Their responsibility is to equip. Say equip. Equip God's people. Say God's people. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. Say, do His work. So what are you, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I'm to equip. Who am I to equip? You. And what are you to do? The work of the ministry. When I was in the hospital and the pastor didn't come see me, well, you know, I think, you know, I just have a pastor's heart and very few people, you know, in the hospital for more than a day or two that I don't, you know, go. I may see in Houston or one of the other guys sometimes, but most of the time, you know, if it's very serious, they're going to see me, they're going to talk to me, they're going to hear my... But you know what? Really, 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 that's not... No, no, no. No, they don't really need to see me. They don't even need to really see Houston. They don't even need to see one of the other staff members. They need to see you. You to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Oh my goodness. I don't have time this morning to go into detail today. 
And you're going to hear this at a, at a later day, but let me just make a couple of statements and then we'll be done for today and then we're going to get out of here this morning. The first statement I want to make this morning is this. There's absolutely no way that the full-time paid pastors can provide total pastoral care for all of our people and for the people that God is going to be sending us. No way that we can... Give pastoral care to 450 people plus the hundreds he's going to send us in the future. We can provide crisis care. And that's what we do. And that's what every church, almost every church does. And many of them don't even do that. We can provide crisis care. We can be there for our people in times of crisis Last Saturday, I had a a workers' training going on. I had a man here teaching. But I left the last session, didn't go to the last session. I went to the funeral of one of our gentlemen in our church whose father had passed away because I wanted him to know that I loved him and I cared for him. I wanted him to know that he was priority. I wanted him to know, amen, that we care about him and that we wanted to be there for him in his time of crisis. And we can get around the crisis. We can handle the crisis. But we cannot handle the pastoral care that needs to happen. And listen, friend, sheep need more than crisis care. Sheep need more than just to be pulled out of a mess. Every day they need the touch. Of a shepherd. People need more than crisis care. And so we're going to be equipping lay pastors. Lay pastors. People in the church to provide. Not necessarily crisis care. Although you'll be there too. But the staff can handle crisis care. But we're going to equip lay pastors. People in the church to provide Care for our families, not just in crisis, but in people's everyday lives. We're going to equip enough lay pastors to care for every single family in the church. And each lay pastor will have, I don't know what the number is, five families, seven families. I don't know what the number is. I'm not into it that far yet. But each lay pastor will have a number of families that will be assigned to them and they will be their care pastor. I will still be the lead pastor. The staff will still be pastors of the church. But listen, I believe that God, amen, when there's more sheep, there's got to be more shepherds. Galatians 6 and 10 says, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all. We know that. We understand that. That's why we send mega thousands of dollars to to Japan and Haiti and all these places that are suffering. People we'll never see. People that most of them don't even know Jesus. We understand that. Boy, we're just ready to get in our wallet or write our check or give our credit card for that. But we've missed it. Jesus said, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everybody. But then he said, especially. Especially, okay, what? Especially those that need it the most? Especially the, 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 the one that's the most lost, the most wicked, the most vile? Is that what he said? No, he said, especially to those who are of the household of faith. 
We've just come through an incredible weekend with John and Ann Bosman. I, I, I totally believe with all my heart that God has reconnected them with Dawn and me for this new season in our lives and in the life of New Bethel Church. They weren't just here for a Sunday. They weren't just here for a little training. They weren't just here for a great end time uh, lesson. They weren't just here for, for, for a special event or a special Sunday. I thought that was the only reason that they were there. But as they were here, I understood and recognized that they were sent here for such a time as this. And I totally believe that God has reconnected them with us and, and for me and for New Bethel and for this new season in our lives and in the life of New Bethel. Pastor Bosman has a process that he has used to build a church from a few hundred to a few thousand. The church he took in Lake Charles, Louisiana was about where we're at now when they took it. And he grew that from where it was to a few thousand. Now this process that he has includes two tracks. One track is discipleship and another track is pastoral care. And he's going to join hands with me and my staff. He's going to help us implement this process into the DNA of New Bethel. And hear me this morning, it's not going to happen overnight. A process takes time. And speaking of time, I'm past. Stand with me this morning. I'm just whetting your appetite this morning. And on this day, this anniversary of of, of our eighth year as lead pastors of New Bethel, being known that today marks the day of a new season. Today is the beginning of a new season. To God be the glory for every success in our past season. But I'm telling you that the best is yet to come as we enter our new season. And we enter it with accelerated proportion. I want to know this morning how many of you will join me in looking forward with great excitement and great expectation to the new season that is before us. Amen. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise in His house today? Braden. Hallelujah. Give Him a shout of praise. Come on church. Come on church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you today, Father, for this incredible journey. Father, it's been an incredible journey. It's been an incredible ride. It's nothing less than miraculous. People have come in here the last three, four, five years. Say, what are you talking about? Some of us that have been around for eight, we know what we're talking about. And we know that I was kind this morning and didn't even describe in full detail what was actually here. And God, we do, do not do this to try and make us feel look good or say, look what we've done and aren't we something, man? You know my heart, God, and you know every single day I do not fail to thank you and praise you and give you 100% credit and 100% glory for every success of New Bethel. And we look back and remember for just a moment but then we look at today and we look at where we are and we pause for just a moment today 
And we rejoice. We rejoice in where we are. God, not only do we look back, and not only do we rejoice in where we are, but God, we look forward, Lord, to the, this next season with great anticipation, great joy, great excitement. Believing with all of our heart that the best is still to come. We love you and we praise you. We bless you in Jesus' name.